Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Let's pretend that I'm going to get away with a premeditated murder. The target is my good friend, Bob. But fear not, as the murder is hypothetical, the victim is fictional, and none of this will ever exist. Am I prepared to kill him? Physically, yes. Psychologically, probably not. But that aside, I could easily end Bob's life in a jiffy by sprinkling his chips with cyanide gluing his head to a steamroller and stuffing an insane quantity of illegal fireworks up his brown mouse house and lighting the fuse. Good times. But the hard part isn't the murder. The real challenge is to get away with it. So across this four-part series, I shall be planning and executing the hypothetical murder of a fictional character called Bob. Soon he will be dead. I will be free, and no one except you good listeners will be none the wiser. My name is Michael, I am a murderer, and this is How to Get Away with Murder. Part 2. Target and Surveillance Last week, we established that should Bob accidentally stop living, owing to his home having one too many cakey portraits of lovely Eva munching a Mr. Kipling. Mmm, I want it so bad. Given the long and provable decline in our friendship, I would be the police's number one suspect. So I need to plan such a perfect murder that the police wouldn't even begin searching for a suspect, as they will assume that his death was either natural or an accident, but not foul play. Most premeditated killers are tripped up by either ego, arrogance, greed, or a basic mistake having failed to research their methods and their victims beforehand. For example, Dennis Radder posted an old floppy disk to the police, taunting them with clues to his identity, only he had failed to fully delete an old file on the disk, which included his work address. 
Jeffrey Dahmer removed a set of handcuffs so his last victim could use the loo, the man fled. Andre Chikatilo was spotted in a public toilet by a policeman as he washed fresh blood off his face. Judith and Alvin Neely made a call with background noises so distinct it led the police right to them. Henri Landrieu purchased round-trip tickets for himself, but only one-way tickets for his victims. Gordon Cummins dropped his gas mask, which he'd stenciled with his military serial number. Albert Fish wrote a letter to his victim's mother using headed stationery. Harold Shipman forged a patient's will, leaving everything to himself. Neville Heath signed the hotel register using his own name. Joel Rifkin didn't put license plates on his truck. Ted Bundy was stopped in a routine traffic stop. David Berkowitz got a parking ticket. And the list of criminally bad cock-ups by supposedly clever criminals goes on. Research is vital. But before I choose a weapon, a method and a location, I need to understand the one variable which makes every plan unpredictable. My target Bob. I may think I know him, but I don't. Everybody has secrets, both big and small, and it's only when a loved one dies and we're forced to sift through their personal belongings that we learn those little details about them that we never knew. It could be something small, like a habit, a hobby, a hygiene issue, an illness, a trinket or a pawn stash. Maybe items they once bought gifts they were once given, or things they promised they had binned. Perhaps letters from lost loves, photos of missed friends, or diaries full of their deepest secrets and regrets, whether an affair, a trauma, a criminal past, or a love child no one knew existed until now. It would be impossible to plan Bob's murder, to find the perfect time, place and space to erase him from the face of the earth, unless I knew the minutiae of his life. And that will take surveillance. Here's a few tips on how I shouldn't research Bob. Don't ask him to complete a detailed survey titled, When is the best time to murder me? Don't ask for a guided tour of his lovely house, including all cupboards, drawers and calendars. Don't ask unusual questions like, Bob, how often do you bathe? How long for? And do you listen to music using a plugged-in radio and leave it precariously balanced on the side of the bath? Don't dress in a black tracksuit and prance about in the shadows like a ninja with an itchy bum. Don't tell MI5 that he's a terrorist, so I can poke around his home while he's being tortured. Don't peep through Bob's bedroom window. As if I'm caught, it'll be impossible to explain. And blurting out, Honestly, I've no interest in seeing you naked! That really doesn't help. Don't tail him, especially if he often shares an Uber and the man sat next to him is always me. Don't offer to film his dull little life for a TV series, as he'll turn into a rapid pounding narcissist. Don't offer him a free set of CCTV cameras, but for the inside of his house only. Don't steal his diary, as it will only ever be full of the things he didn't do, the girls he didn't date, the unrealistic resolutions he never kept, and blatant lies about the size of his thingy. Don't pose as an old friend, a new lodger, a complimentary butler, and his long-lost wife. Don't drug him, steal the information, 
and blame his confusion and wooziness on an alien abduction. And I definitely won't make a little hidey hole for myself in his cupboard, as he lives in a single-roomed bedsit with only one cupboard, and it's usually full to the brim with his dirty undies. Ugh. All of these techniques come with the risk of being spotted. And once I've been spotted, the research is as good as useless. Because becoming unnerved and cautious in my presence, Bob may begin to adapt his regular timings and movements, and it's during his usual routine that his guard is down. Sadly, at the expense of my surveillance, Bob and I don't live, work, or owing to a little Eva-based issue, we don't hang out together so my research would need to be more subtle than simply spying on him through eye holes that I've cut in a newspaper. So here's how I would discreetly research my target. Watch. From every distance, the average person unwittingly gives away a wealth of facts about their daily routine. And as we'll see in the next section, people are very predictable. Listen, people love to talk about themselves and especially about the people they despise. Read. There's lots of publicly available data out there about all of us if you're willing to dig. Steal. Everybody's rubbish bin is a veritable, if slightly stained, encyclopedia of their entire life. Or if all that sounds like a bit of a faff. If you're not cut out to be an undercover sleuth. And if, like me, You'd prefer to do your snooping from your bed, in your PJs, with a nice cup of tea and a choggy hobnob. There's one easy and simple option. Social media. It's free, easy and accessible. Without thinking, the average person uploads every single detail about their boring little life as if they are the most fascinating person in history, when they're not. Admittedly, being full of narcissists, Eight out of every ten updates features yet another photo of their bloody face. It also contains details about their friends, family, life, work, habits, hobbies, pubs, clubs and timings. As well as a full guided tour of their home, live updates from their holiday, which burglars love, as that is like daubing, I'm away for two weeks, don't steal too much, right across the front of your house. And even the most cautious of people, who love to brag, I never share any personal data online, can't help but load a photo of themselves with their favourite pet, football strip, a bust of their hero, and whilst holding their happy 40th birthday cake. So their date of birth and other so-called personal details aren't exactly difficult to work out. Oh, and private accounts? Ha! That's about as inaccessible as opening a tin of beans with a can opener. So, understanding the target, what will I learn by spying on Bob? I'll learn things I already knew, I'll learn lots of irrelevant bump, but I'll also learn two vital details, his weaknesses and when he's alone. Weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. It's not a failing. It's what makes us all different and human. Some people can run fast. Others do a weird waddle. Some are mentally sharp. Others forget their own phone number. Some are brave. 
Others think they're plummeting from the sky with a bit of fabric to stop your body smacking into the earth so fast that your grieving relatives have to scoop up your body with a trowel is a stupid idea. And some of the best people in the world have only two weaknesses. Eva Green and cake. Simply lace an Eva-shaped Battenberg with arsenic and I'm as good as dead. But I'll be a happy man. The only way to get away with Bob's murder is by knowing his weakness. This will allow me to lure him somewhere isolated, lull him into a false sense of security, and to ensure that I have the advantage. For example, you wouldn't poison a loaf if the target had a wheat allergy, unless you planned to make them fart to death. You wouldn't drown an underwater diver, force-feed the world hot dog-eating champion, push a wheelchair-bound agoraphobic off the top of Mount Everest, or shoot a lead bullet at a man with a steel plate in his head. Although, using a big magnet on him would be cruel, but also quite amusing. The little details I can glean from Bob's life tells me a lot about his weaknesses. Bob plays his music too loud. That tells me that he's sad, lonely and desperate for attention. Just look at any car which drives past with a thumping bass line shaking the street to rubble. Does the driver look like a legend or a sad little turd? It also tells me that Bob has hearing loss, having listened to Screaming Owl's anus at full volume, so he'll be easy to sneak up on. Bob has eczema, itchy, dry and cracked skin, which he lubricates hourly. So I could poison his Vaseline, but I couldn't grab hold of him as he's as greasy and unmanageable as a really sweaty pig who's all oiled up to become a sumo wrestler and is sponsored by Lurpak Butter. Bob lives on a crap diet. He has a gold loyalty card from Pizza Schmucks. His blood is 99% choc mint chip and he counts donuts as one of his five a day, as in his eyes, they're a nut. So either I wait for his heart to resign or I suffocate him whilst he's on the loo, as his unusual grunting, straining and laboured exhale will sound identical to his unfortunate neighbours. I could kill Bob in a multitude of ways, which would appear entirely natural given my knowledge of his life, his health and his habits. But he may also have a few phobias I never knew about which could trip me up. Here's just a few strange phobias which could limit my chosen method of murder. Bathmophobia, a fear of stairs. Bellonophobia, a fear of needles. Eutophobia, a fear of being alone. Echophobia, a fear of the home. Koinonophobia, a fear of rooms. Megalophobia, a fear of large things. Microphobia, a fear of small things. Noctophobia, a fear of the night. Scoptophobia, a fear of being stared at. Trypophobia, a fear of holes. Vinustrophobia, a fear of beautiful women, such as Eva. Mm. And two phobias which could really scupper my plans. Paladophobia, a fear of bald men. And Thanatophobia, a fear of death. These will be a nightmare to discover, but thankfully... The most useful details I need to prep for Bob's impending demise are much easier to research. As like most of us, Bob is a creature of habit. We all have routines, 
whether big or small. And regardless of who we are and what we do, our lives are unremittingly humdrum and predictable at various points of the day or night, which rarely change and are set in place as part of our job, lifestyle, social circle, family life, medical needs, or simply by habit. For many of us, buying milk, not from our local shop, but from a different store one street over is a big deal. But all of our lives are controlled by an innate structure which gives us a sense of stability. Such as Sleep We all have a usual sleep pattern. Some people are solid 8-hour snoozers, some doze during the day, some toss and turn all night, and all dads have a special off switch just inside their belt, which causes them to shut down fully the second that any chores need doing. Commute Life dictates our schedule. For some of us, it's a long descent into hell, inhaling a flannel dodger's armpit. For me, it's a PJ stumble from bed to kettle to desk. And for Bob, he goes from lying to slouching on the sofa to stooping to scoop up the TV remote from under his bum. Food. We all need to eat, and our bellies are the world's most accurate alarm clock. When they rumble, our whole world stops, and nothing can restart until they are fed. As for Bob, he eats hourly, thanks to a pre-programmed app, as he's too lazy to call, speak, or even to press reorder. Social life. We all post cherry-pick photos on social media to make everyone think that our lives are amazing. When really, most of the time, we're sat on the sofa in a stained onesie, surfing a TV schedule of utter crap. Admit it, we're not unlike Bob. The difference is, we get up to pee. No one is truly unpredictable. Our lives are flecked with patterns, habits and routines. From the friends we see, the places we go, the times we leave, the hobbies we enjoy, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, and even down to the speed that we reply to some texts, but not others. Everything that we do is predictable. Admittedly, the bulk of our day is spent queuing, complaining, doodling, and bunking off. With added tea breaks, bouts of bitching, and waffling on about the things we plan to do, but never do. Sadly for me, Bob does nothing, he goes nowhere, and he talks to no one. Which limits my options on how to make his death look natural. As if he's gorged on a 50-foot fajita whilst changing the channel from dog poop investigators to celebrity chef kung fu karaoke on ice. But then again, everyone has their weaknesses. That said, given that in England and Wales there are 7,700 deaths a week, only 14 of which are murders, it would look less suspicious if Bob died doing what he loved best or simply just slipped away. So if he dies naturally, I could simply just steal this portrait of the Hollywood goddess with the Badenberg fingers. Mmm. Life is dangerous, and the chance of surviving it is pretty slim. Every year across the world, 17.7 million people die of heart disease, 9.5 million by cancer, 1.24 million by car crash, 295,000 by drowning, 270,000 by hunger, 193,000 giving birth, 
120,000 by fire, 26,000 by terrorism, and 9,600 by natural disaster. Statistically, we all have a 1 in 180,000 chance of being struck by lightning, 1 in 118,000 of being mauled by a dog, 1 in 53,000 will die by bee sting, 1 in a 7,700 chance of dying of sunstroke, and 1 in 2,600 will die choking on their own food. And even more bizarrely, 1 in every 15,000 people die every year doing exercise, 640 people die every year simply falling out of bed, 240 people are killed by falling icicles, and one person dies every single year bouncing on a trampoline. Ironically, with only 26 deaths over the last decade, it's safer to go skydiving than it is to walk down the street, to eat your dinner, or to fall asleep. So does Bob have a role which makes him more likely to accidentally expire than most people during his everyday duties? Here's a few possible high-risk occupations which could quicken his demise. A painter as lead-based paints are deadly if consumed with a large spoon, which he has done before when the fridge was empty. A carpenter, but only if he mistakes his head for a plank of wood, which is possible. A chef, because of knives and hot things, but that's unlikely as it involves actually shifting his ass. and Bob's so lazy that a depressed sloth wearing a t-shirt which read bollocks to life actually tutted at him for his laziness. So there's loads of high-risk occupations out there. Racing driver, scuba diver, arsenic delivery boy, tornado chaser, chainsaw juggler, cliff-based car brakes tester, a freelance trainee bomb disposal technician, and a food tester for a despotic warlord. But as Bob does nothing but eat, sleep, and watch telly, everything which involves him burning a single calorie is unlikely. And yet, Bob's natural lethargy does open a window of deadly opportunities. I'm thinking, health problems. He can't duck my swinging axe if he has a bad back. He could never hear my chainsaw if he has tinnitus. And how could he dodge my piranha pool if he's dizzy with vertigo? Habitat. Let's be honest. His bathroom is a cesspit. His kitchen should be condemned. His fridge is home to 87 new species of fungi, and his sofa features a perpetual outline of his body, as if the police forensics team has already marked out his corpse with a line of chocolate and crisps. Habits If he picks his nose, I could always poison the tip of his finger. If he openly sneezes in the street without covering his nose, I could always stuff two ping-pong balls right up his nostrils so his head explodes. And if he's one of those nasty little herberts who constantly sniffs but refuses to use a hanky, I could simply just strangle him, in public, and I'd probably get an applause. Now I could consider allergies, as a fatal attack of anaphylaxis can be triggered by just the briefest hint of peanuts and sesame seeds. But as Bob has no allergies, except work, energy and effort, thankfully, there are a few everyday foods which are toxic and deadly to everyone. Such as cherries, apples and elderberries. Their hard stones and pips contain prussic acid, also known as cyanide, 
which even in small doses can cause rapid breathing, seizures and possibly death. Nutmeg Mixed in small amounts and baked into food, nutmeg is harmless. But even just eating two spoonfuls of raw nutmeg can cause hallucinations, dizziness, confusion and seizures. Unripe, very green potatoes contain glycocaloid, which causes nausea, diarrhea and death. Rhubarb. The stalks are delicious, but the toxic leaves can result in kidney failure and coma. Other deadly and toxic foods include bitter almonds, raw cashew nuts, mangoes, unpasteurized honey, castor oil, bean sprouts, cassava, chili peppers, various mushrooms, the ackee fruit, the star fruit and the pufferfish, with hot dogs being the number one choking hazard to children under the age of three. Sadly, Bob has never seen a vegetable. Ever. He's so food illiterate, he believes that when beef bleeds, it bleeds gravy, that meatballs come from male cows, and that all chickens are born McNugget-shaped. A single salad leaf could be toxic to his system, but there's no way he's going to swallow that. Which brings us on to the next step. Where to kill Bob? I mean, this is entirely pointless, as although statistically most people die at home and the majority of us die in our own beds, Bob is so lazy, he spends all day on the sofa, and when it comes to bed he buys, he stays on the sofa, as he's too bone idle to pull out the bed from underneath the sofa and fall onto that, as it means getting back up. But anyway, if Bob wasn't the human equivalent of a pot of blancmange, Knowing that the best place to murder him is where he is isolated but felt safest, this is where I would choose and avoid. Choose desolate places, like woods, parks, beaches, lakes and deserts, maybe a golf course, a hummus store, a small private art gallery, and any cinemas playing a film starring James Corden. Avoid busy places, like city streets, motorways, bargain sales, and anything fun, like pubs, bars, buffets, anything with dogs, anything with free food, and any open-air proctological exams. Choose places of high traffic so that any DNA, evidence or fingerprints are useless, such as concerts, war zones, wrestling matches, and any free tasting tours of the Mr. Kipling Cake Factory. Yum! Avoid any places with CCTV cameras, such as shops, streets, stations, and any pervy uncle's bathroom. Choose fastidiously clean spots, like hotels, dentists, public toilets, or the home of a need freak, who offers you a sandwich but glares at you any time that a single crumb misses the plate. I would also avoid any sewage plants, abattoirs, changing rooms, nudie booths, maternity wards and sperm banks because it will look really odd and people will be constantly asking, why there, you weirdo? In short, Bob will die at home, on his sofa, where he feels safe, warm, and is usually fast asleep with a trickle of syrupy dribble down his chin and a circle of cast off Doritos on his chest, which suits me fine. He'll be home, happy, and unaware that he's going to heaven which you'll hate as that means moving.
So before I go, there's two steps I need to do to ensure that no one suspects me. Firstly, I know Bob's routine. Eat, sleep, shit, repeat. I know his weaknesses, and I know the best place to kill him. But there's one other person I need to research first. Myself. I can't provide a perfect alibi for myself unless I know where our lives cross and how I can deliberately distance myself from Bob in the days prior to his sad and tragic demise. Boo-hoo-hoo. Luckily, I'm not the pizza delivery guy, who is the only person that Bob grunts at. And secondly, no matter what, I must never photograph, film, internet search, or write anything down about Bob's death. And I must never, ever turn it into a blog or a podcast. Oh, bollocks. I've done it again. What an idiot. Find out how and if I can pull off the perfect murder in part three next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to part two of How to Get Away with Murder. This continues for the next two weeks, when your regular Murder Mile episodes will return. A big thank you to my new Patreon supporters, who are Michael Porter, Marge Tomnav, Cynthia Dahl, Glenda McCarthy, and Gavin Cook. I hope you're enjoying the secret videos I'm posting on Patreon this week while your regular Murder Miles are off air. And thank you to Cara Langford for your very kind donation via the Murder Mile website. Thank you, everyone. Next up is Extra Mile. Murder Mile was researched, written and performed by myself, with the main musical themes written and performed by Eric Stein and John Books of Cult with No Name. Thank you for listening, and sleep well. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago... If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, 
you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Whoa, how was that? That was not too bad, actually. Yay! Hello, everyone. Extra mile time. Uh, it's a quick slurp of tea. Well, it's coffee, really. It's cold coffee. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's gone beyond the point where it's enjoyable. Coffee has that margin, doesn't it? It's, when it's too hot, it's not right. When it goes a little bit too cold, it's a bit horrible. But weird, it's weird. And, and the middle ground's nice, but it's weird with a, you know, like a Costa coffee when I'm drinking those. It's the same. It's The middle ground's nice. Then it goes almost a little bit too cold. But when it goes really cold, then it, all of a sudden it becomes nice again. It's weird, isn't it? Oh, anyway, welcome to Extra Mile. I hope you enjoyed that. That was part two of How to Get Away with Murder. Um, things are a little bit weird here. I'm trying to find a new position uh, to record the podcast. As mentioned last week, I was standing up uh, because I'm finding that sitting down, I kind of hunched over and I tend to <gasps> I like breathe every fourth word. So I'm trying to stand up now and I think it gives me a better range. I can talk longer without breathing in and uh, I, t- I seem to get through the, the dialogue a lot quicker as well. I seem to be, able to be able to have a better rhythm, and I'm hoping it has better sound, so I don't need to bump up the sound that much. So that's good. Uh, so it's weird. As I said before, it's a weird connection. I have my first table, which is a Desmo table. You have them on ships. It's a little... Um, it's a little, like... Uh, uh, like a, a a hole in the ground and a steel hole in the ground and in that is a peg a single peg and on that is a table so you got a table with one leg and then on top of that I've put a little picnic table table to raise it up so that so the little table the first table goes just just above my knees the second one goes to kind of just below nipple height and then that's still not tall enough so I've had to put a some shoe boxes on the table to hold my laptop on the microphone and the uh, the, the uh, uh, sound uh, muffler and then because because on top of the sound muffler is a bit of a gap and there's right above that is kind of like the the wooden roof of my sh- of my boat i've had to put my little woolen hat on top of it so it, uh, it that muffles the sound as well but hopefully i'm thinking hopefully that this produced a better sound for you so uh yeah that all seems good um let's I t- what should we do i'm gonna do i'll do a little bit of start the quiz we'll do some waffle and then we'll uh uh and then we'll go and do the answers in a bit so if you're ready we've got a bit of a quiz here we go uh, oh i can put on my tea as well i'm gonna put on my tea uh hopefully this will be easier for you to hear and see because now uh the microphone is facing the way of the kitchen so it will be it will be a little bit quieter um but not as quiet as it normally is. So time to pop on tea and coffee, pop on me Chelsea bun, which I've got, that's my treat for the day. Chelsea bun, lovely, what a treat. Yesterday a nice big Belgian bun from Wenzel's. Wenzel's the baker's, oh yes. Not as good as uh, Griselda's. Griselda's over in Stamford Hill is great, but uh, Wenzel's will do me just fine. Right, questions, here we go. Um, question one. 
which serial killer was caught having not properly deleted a floppy disk that he used to taunt the police with? Obviously, I say he taunt the police with. He didn't wave it in their faces. He posted it to them with information about himself. So which serial killer was caught having not properly deleted a floppy disk he used to taunt the police with? Question two. What are pelidophobia and thanatophobia a phobia of? God, my boat is bobbling around a lot. Um, uh, question three. The pips and stones of which three fruits contain arsenic? Question three. The, whip, the pips and stones of which three fruits contain arsenic or things that can create arsenic? Question four. One person dies every year doing what? One person dies every year doing what? Question five. Which spice is toxic and potentially fatal if you eat two spoonfuls of it? Although quite why you would, I don't know. Question six. What is statistically safer to do than walking down the street, eating your dinner or falling asleep? Oh, got burpees. Uh, question seven. Roughly how many deaths in England and Wales are there each week? Question eight. Of those, how many are murders and homicides? Question nine. What are Bob's favourite TV shows? There were two of them. And question ten. This is an easy one. Eva is a goddess. True or false? an easy question everyone should know that one so uh windy day today we're bobbling around on the boat it's a bit it's a bit bobbly bobbly there's a bit of a, a wind current going around uh i've got a bit of a coot fest going on outside there seems to be th three different pairs of coots and they're constantly having a bit of a battle about oh this is my bit you get over this they're very territorial they're like they're like you to stay there and you to come here and if if i start chucking some food out the window for them they get very territorial i think i've mentioned it before that sometimes the coot can be a bit stupid and like you throw out some food and then he'll fight up he'll spend all of his time fighting off all the other ducks and all the other coots but he won't think i should really really focus on getting some of that food back for my kids so like he comes back and he goes where's all the food gone oh my god such an idiot oh anyway um uh, I, as I mentioned, I just had burpees then. That was uh, a little bit of burpee because I tried a, a plant-based vegetarian uh, or vegan option for a uh, uh, bacon sandwich. This is the one thing they can't do. Do you know, corn is really good. The corn mince is excellent. Really good for chilies. In fact, I think it's better than meat because it actually soaks up a lot of flavour really well. But the one thing that oh, all these vegan companies and vegetarian companies can't do is bacon. No one can do it. All of them are awful. Like, really tasteless, dry. It's like, ah. Oh. When we were growing up, like, uh, when I was really young, my dad introduced us to uh, uh, these, like, soya protein things. And they were really horrible. If you remember them in the 1980s, they were square cubes. They were like... Uh, they were like sponges, and when you ate them, they had no flavour, and they were chewing. They were bloody disgusting, really were. So, yeah, no, burpees. I'm getting burpees because of, uh, because of uh, that, ugh, that horrible bacon sandwich thing. It was, it's meant to be, like, uh, rashers, but it isn't. I think they, they call it rashers. It's just an excuse to say it's tough. Ugh, horrible. Anyway, what else is going on? Next weekend, so by the time you get this, I'll be a couple of days away from uh, restarting the tours again. So I've spent the last couple of weeks trying to remember 
my lines, uh, which has been interesting. Uh, obviously, it's like a, it's a two-hour show, but there's about there's about an hour's worth of script that I have to remember. And I thought to myself, well, I'll just pull out the old script, but I forgot that I wrote it in 2015, and then I've I spent the last five years editing it in my head and thinking that's crap. Get rid of that. Change that. Add that. Add that in. Move that around. So when I picked up the old script, I went. This is not what I say. I don't say any of this. This is all different now. And I've realised the whole thing is in my head. So I've had, to, I've had to literally just stand here and go, right, what do I say? It's get, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I did a re- rehearsal last night. I sped through it. I did a speed rehearsal because I've worked out that if you do it fast, like, on and I power through all the words, I worked out it doesn't give you time to think. So your brain has to work subconsciously and has to feed you fast. Whereas if you... St- if you stop, then uh, your brain has, has time to panic. So uh, I did all right yesterday. I did a good one. I was quite happy with that. Uh, the other night, I did a uh, live show, which was good. Well, a socially distanced live show. As you know, Adam from UK True Crime Podcast uh, and myself have done a couple of shows called Secrets of the Serial Killers. We did a couple of live ones. Uh, they asked us to do another one, and we said no because uh, we weren't prepared to go into a, a venue and stand there and breathe in people's fumes. We'd rather be safe. Uh, so they said, do you, you can do it socially distanced. So we uh, we did it online, which was good. So uh, we I didn't announce it because I didn't think it was going to happen. I did, I'm just going to do my tea. Um, be kettle. Um, yeah, they, they, they kind of didn't... Oh, they kind of really didn't... Uh, announce it to us we were like even the, the day the day of we we're like is it happening don't think it is so i'd actually planned for it not to happen and then like three hours before they're like we've got 100 people and it's like okay we best do it worst thing is i'm in an area with no internet literally no internet so i got my laptop set up and my microphone set up and i got a wi-fi dongle out one window and i've got my phone connected to the wi-fi out the other window and I was bouncing off different signals, trying to get some signal. And I was like, and it was really bad. There was like four, four of us trying to connect together. I couldn't hear them. They couldn't hear me. And I was like, oh, shit, this is going to go bad. So I had to drop out my visual so people could only hear me. Um, but it was good. I thought it went really well. Me and Adam did a good job. I think I think we cut, we winged it slightly because it was a bit last minute. But I think that really helped because what we did was instead of focusing on, on our notes that we used last time or our details, what we did was we kind of shaped it as we went along. And we'd already decided that it was going to be more about, uh, you know, with serial killers, we were kind of, kind of focusing on, you know, people shouldn't be really hero worshipping them. They're kind of useless people. They're a bit pathetic. They're full of their own vanity. The reasons that they give for murdering are pathetic. So we focused on how pathetic they all are. And I thought it was really good. We did we did Blackout Ripper, we did Dennis Nielsen, we did Angus Sinclair, we did Fred and Rose West. We kind of focused on, you know, um, that side of it. So I think it went really well. And I think the audience the audience really reacted well to it as well. Uh, we had really good, the audience were great. They gave great feedback. We had great questions from them. And we had enough kind of audio that we could hear them when they were asking their questions so i thought that went, it went really well oh and uh, even better it was kind of an up yours to uh to covid because we had fun but we all kept socially distanced and you know we enjoyed ourselves so do you know it is pops possible even with shit technology 
So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that. That was good fun. Uh, what else is going on? I uh, haven't slept in a while. Well, I've, I did last night, which was good. I had weird panic nightmares. Uh, I'm going to just do my tea because it's stewed and that's good. Uh... No, I, I, because, because the murder mile walks are coming up and it, as you can appreciate, I haven't done one in six months which is weird, my routine's all to cock. So knowing I'm gonna do it now, I think, I think I was having a little bit of anxiety about doing it again, and whether I could remember everything and whether it'd all go tits up again. So I had this really weird pan series of panic dreams where, and this happened just the other night, where I had a dream that I had to recall two hours worth of uh, like script in its entirety without making any mistakes, otherwise I would die. There was no reason why I would die. It's just that was what my brain says. And about, I knew I was about 20 minutes in, 30 minutes in, I'd done okay. And then I woke up and I found myself on the edge of the bed, literally rambling to myself. But I was rambling to the point where I could tell that I was stumbling. I was like, uh, and then uh, the man, uh, oh, he, uh, oh, oh, fuck, like that. And it was like, oh, shit. One of those weird panic dreams. I just sat there going, shit, I'm going to die. And then I was like, no, you're not, you're in bed. <laughs> Oh, it's horrible. Hate panic dreams. They happen every so often. But, you know, then I started doing I, I, these rehearsals and that has really helped. So feeling good about it. I'm looking forward to coming back to Murder Mile doing the walks. I'm looking forward to that. What else we got? CrimeCon tickets are on sale now, uh, which is interesting. Uh, just so you know, as part of my contract with CrimeCon, I've got to do a shout out like once once a month. So uh, yeah, there'll be a link to link in the show notes. Uh, you can come and buy tickets. I'll mention it once every month or so uh, up until the lead point, but it won't it won't be too intrusive. Uh, but if you are going to come along, please do come along. Don't forget if you use the uh, the code Mile M I L E, everyone who get books a ticket with my code gets uh, gets a uh, a free goodie. Obviously, all of us are being uh, asked to do this, so uh, you know, um, and it kind of it helps us as podcasters as well. It gives gives us a bit of an incentive as well. We don't we don't get a, a cut of the ticket sales, but like, um, if we get enough tickets, then they can they can get us like a hotel room the night before, which is useful because we'll have all of our stuff with us, you know, like mugs and shit like that. So if it's in the hotel, that really helps us. It costs them like pennies, but you know, it saves us a bit of quid. So that's. And also, it would just be lovely to see all of you there as well. Um, so there's going to be loads of podcasters there, loads of British ones. Uh, they've signed up quite a few American ones as well. And also, this is very exciting, there's going to be some police dogs. Fantastic. You can't ask for anything better. True crime and some dogs. What more do you want? Um, what else have we got? Uh, new episodes coming up that I'm researching at the moment, uh, which are all going well. There's some really interesting ones I've put in... A new one that I went searching for, but they're, they're all nice and different. Ten episodes to get us to the end of the year. Uh, one that I'm researching at the moment is going to require a lot of legwork leg for me. Uh, as the killer seems to have scattered his victim's body parts all over London. Literally, there's quite a few locations I'm like, oh dear God. Weirdly, they're all around, around the canal system as well, which is very strange. Uh, which is fine. That's good for me. Uh, so, let's go and do the questions to the, the answers to the quiz. Oh dear, my feet are getting cold. It's a, You can tell it's winter because I'm doing my research now wearing my fingerless gloves again. Uh, and I'm going to have to start wearing socks at some point. 
But will I be wearing short? Will I stop wearing shorts? Probably not. Always good to wear shorts in winter. It kind of perks you up. It's kind of, you know, you keep your top half, keep your top half um, warm because that's where all of your all of your vital organs are but your lower half you can keep that cool it kind of regulates your body temperature i find anyway i could be wrong right answers to the questions Whoa. which serial killer was caught having not properly deleted a floppy disk he used to taunt the police with the answer was dennis radder aka btk uh question two what are Paladophobia and thanatophobia a phobia of. They are phobias of bald men and death. Surely everyone has a fear of death. Uh, question three. The pips and stones of which fruits contain arsenic or chemicals which can create arsenic? They are apples, cherries and elderberries. Uh, just so you know, apple pips have a protective shell on them so we can actually you can actually swallow them you shouldn't swallow them you can your body won't uh, it won't be able to break through the protective shell and you'll just poo them out cherry stones uh, as you know they're a hell of a lot bigger they're very tough and you should never ever eat them uh, elderberries are fine um, but they're only toxic when they're unripened so when they're when they're very 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 green um, question four one person dies every year doing what? Um, the answer is bouncing on a trampoline. Uh, there's loads of weird things out there, including 17 people are killed every year uh, from a falling vending machine. Uh, question five. Which spice is toxic and potentially fatal if you eat two spoonfuls of it? The answer is, of course, nutmeg. Uh, nutmeg can cause excellent hallucinations. Um, I, I learned this when I was a teenager. When I think I'd, I, someone gave me a book called How to Get Stoned in the Greengrocers, and it was all about, um, do you know, when you're when you're a teenager and you're always trying to find ways to get off your face. Get, do you know, you can't you can't go to the pub. What well, we did was go in there at age twelve, but uh, that's the good thing about living in the country. You could go to pubs whenever you bloody like, uh, and no one really cares. Uh, you could also back in the days you could go into the news agents and uh, you go you couldn't buy a pack of cigarettes but the news agent would have a little pot behind his stash and you could buy a single you could buy a single cigarette for like ten p. Joe, they, they didn't seem to have a problem with that. That was weird. That was. Uh, but yeah, no, we. I, someone gave me a book called How to Get Stoned in the Greengrocers, uh, and there was a multitude of things that you could kind of smoke or try to try and get high. So I, I tried everything. I tried I tried smoking cow parsley, uh, which wasn't very good. Though. Uh, I smoked, someone said, uh, smoking Weetabix. So I used to sit there smoking Weetabix, a whole Weetabix, not crushed up. Uh, what else was there? Uh, dried banana skins. Uh, that didn't really work. Uh, smoking uh, a cigarette but laced with poppers. That was quite weird. Uh, the best one was I discovered this by myself. This was one of these great ones. I'm not advocating that people get high on it, but this is entirely legal. But um, one of the best ways I ever found to got high, get high was I put I put some old Holborn tobacco, some some rolling tobacco on the windowsill. This was back in the years when I used to smoke, and it was a hot summer's day. I left it there for a while, and when I came back a week later, it had it had turned into like a really weird ash. And I, being a teenager, I was like, oh, I'm not going to 
waste it. I'll just smoke it. So I put it in a like a a rolly and I smoked it with some proper tobacco in there. Woo-wee! The sun had done something crazy to it and it became very potent. That became that became my go-to thing. It was like, let's hope for some nice summer's days so I can put my old Holborn on the on the windowsill and get mashed off my face. Great days. Obviously, I never, ever grew my own cannabis. That never happened. And my dad never told me to take it off the windowsill because it was getting too high. That never happened. Uh, I also never harvested my own cannabis, put it in my back pocket, and then uh, a, a mate of mine who should remain nameless, the police stopped his car, and he was getting a bit aggro with the, with the police, and I kept saying to him, please shut up, I have my whole harvest in my back pocket. That never happened. That never happened. That's just fictional. Right, question six. What is statistically safer to do when walking down the st- what is statistically safer to do than walking down the street eating your dinner or falling out of bed? The answer is of course skydiving. Obviously this is a numbers game so as you can appreciate more people walk down the street eat dinner and fall and fall asleep than go skydiving. Uh so um a lot of people do go skydiving skydiving every year but it is pretty safe it's quite a safe sport you know that if you think about it it's quite a dangerous sport so there's a lot of fail safes in places a lot of checks things like that so the the amount of people who do actually die from it is quite remote whereas we all walk down there's billions of us every day walking down the street eating our dinner falling asleep in fact i think all of us do that so the likelihood is that some of us will die doing that is statistically quite high so um question seven Roughly how many deaths are there in England and Wales each week? There are 7,700 deaths a week. Uh, Question eight. How many murders or homicides are there in England and Wales per week? There are roughly around 14. 14. Um, Question nine. Uh, What are Bob's favourite TV shows? They were dog poop investigators and celebrity chef Kung Fu Karaoke on Ice. Yes, so all of my friends who uh, work in TV are probably rushing back to their little offices and writing that down going, that is a genius idea, let's commission it now. That's the way things are done. They, they write, they create shit. They come up with random words and they, they go, oh, this will do as a TV show. People will watch this shit. And the irony is people would watch shit like that. It's weird when you think about some of the ideas of things on telly and you think that'll never work. And then you go, oh, people love it. It's weird. Question 10. The most important question. Eva is a goddess. True or false? The answer is, of course, true. Of course she is. Eva is a goddess. End of story. That's that. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was your uh, uh, part two of how to get away with murder. We've got two more parts to go. Uh, and then we'll be returning with your regular episodes of Murder Mile. Uh, I'm about to wrap up now. I have woke up early to record this because I'm immediately opposite a, a kind of a place where people, where boaters would come in and get logs and coal and water and stuff like that. And because it's, it's a Saturday, I thought, oh, they're all going to be queuing up today and they're, they're going to be busy outside and playing the music and waiting for it to open. No one's here. So uh, that's luck in a way. So... Um, 
Good. I'm finished. I can start doing some editing. I'm going to go into town in a bit. And because I've got no Wi-Fi here, this is really sad. I'm going to stand in one of the tube stations because you get good Wi-Fi in tube stations, especially Oxford Circus. Very good Wi-Fi. I'm going to stand in the tube station with my mask on, obviously, and my iPad. And I'm just going to download a shit ton of programs because I can't get anything here. I've run out of programs. Oh, and Bake Off's back. Oh, I can download lots of Bake Off. Oh, excitement. Good. Okay. That's been fun. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Mud Mile returns next week. Stay safe. Be good. Be healthy. Uh, lots of love. See you all soon. Bye-bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.